Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network This gleaming metallic instrument Is being developed in a race against time We aim for a ballistic missile force To keep the peace Hello and welcome to another edition of The Radioactive Show. I'm Jessie Boylan. This week's episode has been produced from central Victoria, where I live, on unceded Jajawarang country. And it is broadcast from the studios of 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. It is broadcast all across Australia via the Community Radio Network. On this week's program, we speak to Smriti Kashari, who is an Indian-American director and artist, whose work covers a spectrum of the moving image, from traditional linear filmmaking to art installations. We discuss her acclaimed multimedia installation, The Bomb, which was heralded as a stunning avant-garde approach to a plea for nuclear disarmament. The Bomb is an immersive film, music and art installation that puts viewers in the centre of the story of nuclear weapons. It explores the immense power of nuclear weapons, the perverse appeal they have, and the profound death wish at the very heart of them. The film takes viewers through the strange, compelling and unsettling reality of nuclear weapons today. It is created by Shmiti Kashari and Eric Schlosser, with live music by The Acid. So let's now hear from Shmiti. Welcome, Srimiti Kashari, to the Radioactive Show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's such a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about your film installation artwork called The Bomb, um, which you made with Eric Schlosser and many others. I was just wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what The Bomb is um, and what drew you initially to making, to making this work. Definitely. Um, so the bomb really started, um, it, it was inspired by Eric Slusher's book, Command and Control. And Command and Control, is a, it's a fantastic book. It reads like a thriller. And it documents the histories of incidents and accidents with nuclear weapon silos and command centers in, in the United States. Um, it really chronicles this accident that happened in, in Damascus. Um, Arkansas. And the book left this profound effect on me. Um, You know, while reading Command and Control, it became quite evident to me that like our generation is living under the most awful awful nuclear cloud. And that with, you know, a four minute warning, the world itself could likely end. Um, It made me feel both quite sad and quite angry. Um, sad because I couldn't believe this nuclear reality that we live in, in a world where there are upwards of 14,000 nuclear weapons, you know, that's enough to destroy this planet eight times over. Um, and it made me, but if you think about it, if you have a planet once, you know, you, and if you've destroyed it once, you don't, you can't destroy it seven more times. So we're just quarters of these machines. Um, that were designed for one thing and one thing only. And at the same time, um, it made me angry because I knew nothing really about it. I mean, I read the headlines, 
but it didn't have that same, I think, profound effect, uh, profound emotional or visceral effect that it had for a lot of people that were alive during the Cold War or the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so I think that's really where I th we started. I was talking to Eric about this and he talked a lot about um, events and how the arts were involved with the nuclear issue um, when he was in London um, and in Hyde Park and what had been done. So we really started talking about how could we create a multimedia experience that really puts people at the heart of, of nuclear weapons. Yeah, so you've included a lot of archival footage. I mean, it's primarily made up of, of archival footage um, and other footage that you've sourced. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that process of selecting footage and where you had to look and how much you had to look through and, you know, how you, how you made the kind of difficult tasks of selecting the, it's around 50 minutes long. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's 55 minutes long and it's, it's fascinating. I don't think that there's anyone in the world who has seen more nuclear footage than Eric, Kevin and I. Kevin Ford is our wonderful um, co-director and editor of, of The Bomb. And we basically had upwards of about maybe 400 footage, hours of footage that we went through. And so it was, it was really interesting because we really looked at, we began to look at what are all of the threads and emotions that nuclear weapon evoke and how, how could we take people through an emotional journey of nuclear weapons and get to the heart of, you know, the ingenuity of the construct, the seduction of the machine, the um, allure of, of the science behind it, this perversion of, of science. How could we make it both visually compelling and absorbing, but not being didactic, you know, not telling you what to, uh, what to, what to think or what to feel, but really sort of getting more at the heart of what it is. So it was a long, you know, it was a long edit process and it was an incredibly collaborative process also working with the band, with the asset, um, we really would, they, we were doing this in LA and we would often be in their studios and telling them like, you know, this section here, we're really trying to get to the uh, seduction of the machines, for example. So before you know that a nuclear weapon is bad or good, you have to be seduced by it, just like anything else in our lives. And so we really were looking at what does that, you know, what could that sound like, you know, before an explosion goes off, before you're even seeing what its power is. This is the complete like ingenuity of how it's made. You know, if you like any machines, if you like cars, this is this is where it's at. So it was really this like um, intense process between all of us of getting getting to that. So yeah, I can imagine you were looking through hundreds of hours of of kind of archival footage and and selecting bits that kind of fit with themes or kind of fit with a storyboard. Um, and then obviously kind of how did you know, did you know from the beginning that you wanted to have a live score from a live band or, and then technically in terms of you, you have multiple projectors, people stand in the middle. Um, there's this kind of embodied experience of these, these multiplicity of these weapons and this machinery and the military industrial complex is kind of like, 
gets repeated and repeated through both the footage you've chosen, but also the, the multiple screens. Exactly. And I think, you know, it, it's interesting because for the most part, I would probably be safe in saying that 99% of people in the world have not seen a nuclear weapon, maybe even 99.9, you know, um, and these weapons are completely out of sight and completely out of the, the conscious um it's it, there's been the danger has really been forgotten but it hasn't gone away you know we live in a world where nine countries now have nuclear weapons and so but going going back to your question about the the multiple screens and the technique and the, and the music you know for quite some time i had been thinking about putting people inside of a film and really challenging this one way one directional experience of viewing um English is my third language. And so interestingly enough, when people say I'm really into, you know, Breaking Bad or I'm really into um, Fleabag, um, are they really inside of it? Or is it something that's being, you know, projected at them? So whether it's film or theater or live music show, these are always projected at you. So, but what would it look like if you were center of the story? And how would your perception of a subject be different by changing how you're physically experiencing it? I started looking at a lot of research that was coming out of MIT Media Lab and School of Visual Arts on time perception and memory. And I was really looking at different techniques. And, and I would say that that's really, you know, where it started um, of, of really challenging how we, we see it. There's a quote that I loved from all of the research and it's um, monotony collapses time and novelty expands it. And if you think about that, if you think about your life in that way, it's all of these moments of also novelty, these units that mark the passage of time or your, your memory of it, because you're often having to do something new, you're having to engage all of your senses. Um, and in that sense, we wanted to put people inside of, you know, an experience where they didn't exactly know where they were supposed to look and because there was one place only you know some people chose to be close to the band and look at them some people treat it like an art gallery and would walk around other people were glued to the to the screens but i think one thing that was really important was that it was this experience that was felt with other um so it wasn't um, it, it didn't feel so fixed because I think we're right now, you know, we're at this point where like so much is just this fixed view of the world and it's so controlled. So the idea was what if you let people wander, if you will, and experience it in their own, in their own timing and pacing. Um, and then in terms of working with the, the, and um, we knew from the beginning that it was something that we wanted a live score um, for a couple of different reasons. I think, you know, when Eric in the writing of Command and Control, there was some music that he would listen to specifically. Um, and at the heart of it, we wanted to get across a sense of contained chaos. Um, and we started looking at different, you know, different bands, different musicians. He asked if we're just such a perfect fit and their live performance really elevates the experience. You know, the, the score naturally integrates into, into the experience in a way that's both mesmerizing and thrilling. And they just, they get the, a perfect blend of tension and, and 
push and release in a way that maybe other bands would want to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And with them, they just know resistance and holding back. So I think collaboratively, it was really, um, it was such a joy to work with the asset because they took you deeper into this emotional journey and really integrating the tension and build of, of the subject matter. AIDS, accidents, incidents, and deficiencies. You may observe situations that jeopardize nuclear safety. You should be aware of what constitutes an aid to ensure that the appropriate notifications are made and the mishap properly investigated. The direct cause of the majority of AIDS reported can be attributed to the failure of man or the machine that he has developed to extend his capabilities. listening to the Radioactive Show on 3CR Community Radio and it's broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This week we're speaking to artist and filmmaker Srimiti Kashari about her film The Bomb. I asked Srimiti about what she thinks of how art plays a role in campaigning and activism and how the approach of the film installation The Bomb seems to allow people into the story and creates a space for engaging with these issues. Let's get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's one of the things that um, uh, people don't realize that everything for, for example, like the, um, the actual, the entire arts has been such a big part at the heart of nuclear activism. And if you think about the entire, the peace movement, you know, the symbol for peace, um, our semigraph symbol, so flag symbol that stand for NMD, for nuclear disarmament. And it's a symbol that we know and we use again and again and again. Um, and it really came from an anti-nuclear movement. Um, and so all through time, I think artists and activists have been such a part in moving the, the needle. If it's anyone from like, you know, Andy Warhol who created the nuclear, um, what was the piece called? The Red Explosion. Um, to just Keith Haring to just so many different um, artists that are able to bring, whether it's filmmakers or um, musicians that are able to bring it into the forefront. And I think now when we're looking at the present, these incredible um, artists as well, that are real, a lot of, you know, work led by females as well that are at the forefront of that, which is really inspiring um, when you look at, you know, where we're at in the present. Mm, yep. And also just to keep the story going. And, and like you said, the issue hasn't gone away and, and yet kind of my generation or our generation perhaps is not, has not been considering it in the same way where, you know, people growing up during the Cold War was, was a very real threat for them. Yet we know, you know, the weapons that are still poised today have the capacity to, you know, as you say, destroy the world eight times over. Um, I'm just wondering if, you know, this kind of approach with with the live band and this kind of multimedia um, approach had a, 
maybe allow different a different kind of people to get into the work maybe younger people or people where um who might not be um engaged with these issues do you think do you think that it had this kind of lure with with you know maybe a different kind of um group of people Definitely. And I think that was, that was one of our um, goals in the beginning was to create awareness to sort of be a seed to new people that wouldn't be as familiar with the subject matter. Um, I mean, you know, we, the, the bomb has now, you know, played everywhere from film festivals to the um, Nobel peace prize ceremony to now on Netflix to, um, Sydney Festival in Glastonbury and every single time I'll tell you Jesse it's so different it's so different hearing people's reaction to it um, some people I mean we've gotten really incredible feedback from some people being like how how did we get here you know like why are we even doing this um, because the awareness of like has we, we've gone beyond just the awareness of the numbers of weapons but also to the effect that they have that we've now been able to, I don't want to say convert people, but make them aware of like the power that it contains. And so I think that's something that I, it's really inspiring and continues to be. And it's a subject matter that still after our first showcase was, you know, four years ago, and it continues to have a life of its own um, again and again and again, because I think there's both a, desire for people to know and the bomb is it can come in a way where it's not isolating and that's something that I found with the nuclear issue quite a lot um, especially in the beginning I think a lot of the language that exists is there to keep people away and there's an amazing physicist her name is Carol Cohn who talks about this um, she talks about the language behind nuclear weapons she even coined it to the term technostrategic you know metaphors and both how it's meant to keep people away, but it also, it's so masculine and it's so um, sexualized. It's, you know, it has terms like burst to burst ratio or earth penetrating weapon. And it's really, it's been, when you're in these like discussions and these rooms that are talking about all of these um, like ICBMs and all of these different abbreviations, it's very easy to feel that it's way in over your head, that it's way too overwhelming and that you can't do anything about it. But the bomb and the work that I've seen through the years, you know, amazing work from like lovely Uma Young or Eve Andre Larami, like other incredible artists and lovely is a great example that have continued to use their art and use the work to to reach different people that wouldn't come across this. And I think that's what's really amazing about how the art is fusing activism. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. I, I'm wondering how else have you kind of maybe used the bomb in terms of um, a tool in, in activism or in campaigning? Have you, has it kind of, have you toured with it to talk about policy or um you know showed it to kind of senate senators or politicians um in in this way is that another kind of approach that that you're interested in or 
Yeah. So I always think of the bomb as a great like anchor event where it's this multimedia, it has the band and it really like, it's something that you want to go to, you know, with, with your friends and, um, or, or bring people to, um, and so it's a really strong anchor event and around it, we have a lot of other, um, things that we can, you know, that have been organized depending on where. So everything from talks about the subject matter to roundtable discussions to artist initiatives, inviting other artists to create work around it. Um, and we've been in everywhere from, you know, we were in DC, we were on the National Mall and able to have a conversation around this, just, you know, steps from the White House um, at the National Academy of Sciences. Um, and we had, we've had the film in, for example, in France, and there was someone from the representative of the government who was talking about, you know, sort of the justifications of why France had nuclear weapons, how many and where they stood with it. Um, two, we, when we were at Sydney Festival, you know, we had um, Emma Belcher, who is now in Plowshares Fund, previously the MacArthur Foundation, that talked about sort of Australia's role on stage with the two of the leading forces with the, of the acid and, and myself, you know, and it was such a great discussion of here are two electronic rock band singers and a filmmaker and someone who can, who's an expert in Australia's role with nuclear weapons, having that conversation. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. And I think it's something that we continue to do and continue to hope to do around a nuclear warhead and a missile silo. Officials say a workman dropped a wrench. It punctured the fuel tank of the Titan II missile. Kara King lives in this home with her two sons and husband, and she says they don't like the idea of having a Titan II silo literally in their backyard. Do you think they're safe? Can you really say yes? You're tuned in to the Radioactive Show on 3CR Community Radio. We're speaking to artist and filmmaker Shmiti Kashari about her film The Bomb. In this next section, I asked Smriti about what she thinks about the road ahead in America and what it looks like now that Biden will be taking office in January, around the same time that the UN Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons comes into enforcement. I asked her what she hopes to see in the coming years and what work needs to be done. Yeah, well, one thing that I'll say, and it's the most urgent, is that I think hundreds of billions of dollars in excessive nuclear weapon spending could be better spent on, you know, higher national priorities in the United States, such as the coronavirus, such as racial injustice, and such as climate change. And that is the most important emphasis that I have for the Biden administration and a way to transform nuclear security and nuclear policy for a new era. You know, we don't need to have a new Cold War. Um, And that's at the utmost, one of the most important important things. and, you know, what they can do on, on the Iran deal, what they can do with North Korea, what they can do with cost and what they can do in, in bringing new people into the conversation. Um, I, so I think that's of utmost and, and of so such importance. The work of ICANN, I'm, I'm just, it's such an honor to constantly, like, to, to be able to follow their um, their progress. I mean, 
just recently I was reading about how church leaders were urging the UK government to sign the UN anti-nuclear treaty. And it's such a great example of how putting pressure on the different like sectors that you're involved in, whether it's church on um, using their support to call on the, the government. Um, and it's just different actors, different um, parts and different angles of, of their campaign. I will admit when I, in 2015, I think it was, I went to the humanitarian conference um, that I can't put forth. And it really, um, it was one of my first entry points into the subject matter. And I was really fired up to see people, to see a lot of young people um, who were who were so energized and there was hope, you know, there was a sense of hope of what could be done. Um, so I really encourage everyone to, to follow ICANN. Um, I think it's ICANN.org their website as well, um, to, to find out more. I can w.org. There we go. Um, to, to follow their website and to look what they're up to. And in the U S, um, I recommend the incredible work of the Plowshares fund. They do a, a really good job in informing people on what's happening in the present and what can be done from a, you know, from a policy standpoint, from, a civil society standpoint, they're wonderful. Men everywhere have feared that nuclear weapons might be unleashed in all-out war. But what are the chances of a nuclear weapon being unleashed not in war, not in the interests of victory, but inadvertently? That was Smriti Kashari talking to us on today's radioactive show from Barcelona after having just traveled back from America where she presented new work called Disintegration Headlines Are Frontlines, a project where, according to the Brooklyn Reader, for the last four years, Kashari selected a headline from the New York Times that mentions President Donald Trump. Starting on the day that Trump was elected, Kashari collected 1,460 headlines. She then turned those short statements into a two-hour film and public art exhibition that takes viewers chronologically through Trump's term as president through the headlines, highlighting the symbiotic relationship between the media and Trump's presidency. It was so great to talk to Smriti for today's show to talk about the film installation, The Bomb, that she made with Kevin Ford and Eric Schlosser. You can watch it online, so check out www.thebombnow.com. That's www.thebombnow.com for more information. The Radioactive Show is broadcast from the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. The program is generously supported by the Friends of the Earth Anti-Nuclear and Clean Energy Collective. If you want to get in touch with us, just look for us via www.3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in this week and be sure to tune in again for next week's program. See you.